Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, really good, really. I can't say I really enjoyed the weekend, but there's a few things that I'm looking forward to chatting about. How about yourself? Did you enjoy the race weekend that we've got to witness this week in Mexico? Yeah. I mean, the race flattered to deceive. It looked like something was going to happen. And then I think by the time we got to the end of the first stint, we realised it wasn't going to be. So... Mm. Probably one of the yeah. most uninteresting ones of the whole weekend of the whole season, to be honest. It is, yes. It's up there with Australia, I think. Definitely, they're they're battling it out for the the most unfortunately boring of the of the season. Although there were there's interesting qualifying results. Maybe if you look at the rest of the weekend, the weekend as a whole, maybe it was a bit more interesting. Yeah, maybe, but we don't do that though. When you talk about no. the race, the race didn't it, it just didn't do what we were hoping, and no. you know. That's the main event. That's what we all like to see, isn't it? We've also got another member of our team that's never actually been on the podcast, so it's her first time. It's Amy. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi. I'm fine. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming to speak to us. What, what did you think of the race weekend? In kind of a brief summary, did you enjoy it? Kind of agree on the fact that it was a very boring one, but I think for me, it was good because I'm a Daniel Ricciardo fan, so ah, seeing yes. him kind of get driver of the day, that was a good highlight of the weekend but other than that it was a bit on the low side it it was it was a low point in the season but there are, there are a few things that we can talk yeah. about uh, throughout the podcast a few interesting kind of things that happened but first we are obviously everything f1 we are across all social media platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram and youtube and tiktok we are also on our shiny website www.everythingf1.com and of course you can hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop we would love it if you do do that and if you also love what you hear please give us a five-star review and of course if you do do that we will give you a shout out on one of our few future episodes so let's get into it then we've we've all said it was probably not what we were expecting but Max Verstappen was the victor after the checkered flag fell so he has now become the most winningest Formula One driver in an F1 season winning 14 races so that's an accomplishment obviously with more races it does make it easier so we'll we'll have a couple a bit of a discussion about that but Coops are you happy to see Max Verstappen breaking these records, smashing those doors down, and obviously getting his name in the in the history books. Yes, I mean he was always going to get those fourteen yeah. wins this year, as you say, with the amount of races. It was done by Michael Schumacher when there was only eighteen races in the season. He yeah. got thirteen, which I think he tied. I think he got thirteen in eighteen races. I think I might be wrong. So he was close, but yeah, you know that he's been dominant 
Red Bull have been dominant. Mm. You know, just another tick in a season that's he's been pretty much untouchable. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of social media talk around that. I guess it's the a certain aspect of the fandom that are like, well, it's percentage matters because obviously the the number of races is different. Yeah, we're going to work out the percentages and we're going to work out who who's got the best percentages because I don't know off the top of my head, but that's something we're going to look into in the future to just kind of see. Maybe if he wins the next two races, whether he can even beat the percentage record as well, because that would be a way to quieten haters, I guess. Were you surprised to see Max Verstappen win this race weekend, Amy? I think it was no surprise, but I'm kind of glad that even though it's not been as exciting, I think this season as fans to watch it and see someone so dominant, but it's been the mm. same with Lewis Hamilton for the past few years. So I think... But after the controversy in Abu Dhabi last year, I think he kind of needed this season to kind of not prove himself, but sort of confirm that he can is a champion. Because a lot of fans, it's, it's very controversial. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you still won't, quite in that area of fandom, unfortunately, they will still, <laughs> they'll say that the cost cap, which we can chat about in a little bit, that was, it was something that helped Max Verstappen. But I personally can't take anything away from Max this year he's done an absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic job and I'm sure you all agree he completely deserves the championship this year I had a, a really great weekend in Mexico it was a close well I say close it wasn't close but we all thought tyres were going to come into the game plan really and, and Mercedes may have caught him at the end but unfortunately the the tyre choice just probably wasn't the right one. And it was probably a, a complete domination by Red Bull. And thanks to Hannah Schmidt, the Red Bull strategist, she got the calls right and Mercedes unfortunately didn't. But Mercedes back on form, not necessarily on the top step, obviously, but, but getting quicker, Coops. Yes. And, you know, they're, they're only 40 points behind Ferrari for second in the constructor. Uh, it's doable, then. So it's very doable with the two races to go. And we know what Hamilton's like when he drives around Sao Paulo. Yeah, uh, that's where I'm hoping he gets the win. But the one race of the season, he's got to be Sao Paulo, where he's recently become an honorary citizen of Brazil. He got yes. an honorary citizenship of Brazil last year. So it's technically another home race for him. Uh, he's performed brilliantly there in the past, last year especially. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're up there. They've made some moves. It was helped by the really disappointing Ferrari weekend mm. that put them up there. But, you know, the, the top six cars were first to six. But you wouldn't have thought that at the start of the season, looking at how Mercedes were. Uh, we all wanted it to be the top six fighting. It wasn't much of a fight, but, you know. Mercedes have definitely gone better throughout the season. They did have a really bad start, and I think that's kind of, what they've been doing the last few races, which is good for them. Not really a Mercedes fan, but good for them. <laughs> yeah, it, it is good for them. And it's good for the sport as well, really, because what we yeah. don't want is, is Red Bull just running away with it because Ferrari at the moment cannot compete with them on the spec of their car as, as it is alone. And they've had bad luck. They've made bad choices. And all those things have kind of hampered them this season. And this race in Mexico they just failed to even turn up really and they looked okay in qualifying and, and in practice sessions but when it came to race pace they just weren't on the pace were they the Ferraris yes yeah, it's, it's just a bit I think Ferrari I kind of do feel really sorry for like Charles Leclerc and Sainz because I feel like they genuinely had a good car this season and mm. I do think Ferrari genuinely could have done so well they just really did make bad choices with their strategy and I bet with Halloween and now you've seen all the costumes everyone's wearing and things like that but no I do feel like Ferrari on the whole I think they this could have been their season and it just wasn't and they lost that and I think I think there needs to be some changes for next season. I do hope they pull it out the bag, though, because I think they deserve it more than most. 
<laughs> they do they do deserve a win they absolutely i mean it's been a very long time it's yeah is it the longest time now coops between the chat the last championship win or was that before michael schumacher got the next win for for a ferrari in 2000 can't remember it's now. been a big dry spell yeah i can't remember whether the dry spell from the 80s from the 80s to uh so Michael Schumacher was was more was greater than this. Well, one. it's two thousand and two thousand and seven. Seven to to now, to now, which is still ongoing. Yeah. So it's a long time. They go through these big long drag spells, and it lasts a long. Yeah. And obviously, there's the cost cap in in place now, which some teams are sticking to. Others <laughs> others are doing some. Uh, not so clever accounting by all, all accounts. But yeah, I mean, that, that could be something that is hampering them. They've, they're historically a team that's had massive, massive budgets. So they're used to being able to spend, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions without any issue, but are now to be restricted so far. Could that be hampering their development? Well, it is going to be hampering their development, but they came out with a beautiful car. No, I mean, the biggest problem, I mean, they, they haven't been winning championships when they had all that money available to mm. them. So... It's just Ferrari being Ferrari. I mean, this weekend, the main issue with this weekend was their turbochargers are are quite small. And, you know, it's all right to have a turbocharger that's small because it runs faster to do its job. But when it's in higher altitude, it, it, it doesn't really work very well. And the reason why Carlos Sainz had such a big failure at Austria because mm. the turbocharger couldn't deal with a higher altitude, so they right. had to they had to turn down the performance of their power unit to make sure it didn't just eat itself back to Maranello. <laughs> so they were off the pace from that. But even mm. even then, you know, it wasn't a single fundamental mistake. They just were slower, and they were a minute behind. It's crazy that for someone who's second in the season, you know, second in the championship, second team in the constructor, amazing to see them so far back. And they did make a mistake with the strategy. They let Carlos Sainz beat Leclerc. Mm. So he lost out in a couple more points to try and keep that position. Because Red Bull are going for first, second in the drivers, which they've never done. They've never had mm-hmm. first and second. They've won constructors and they've won the drivers. They've never had. They've never won the constructors, the drivers, and had first and second. So, yeah. you know, Perez is getting closer. Uh, yeah, and that is. couple of points could be the difference. So, the, I mean, it's a, it's a small grade, but... It's still a mistake, you know. They were they were next to each other on the road. You just tell Carlos Sainz, you know, back it off. Step to the side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. on you go, because he's there. So it might not make any difference at the end of the season, but Formula One being Formula One, you look at the end of last year, <laughs> all points mm. matter. So wait and see. You mentioned his name there, so we'll talk about Sergio Perez. Obviously, the hometown hero. Didn't get the win like everybody wanted, unfortunately, <laughs> but the crowd was absolutely just superb. The atmosphere looked amazing. Everyone was having a great time. There were a few boos here and there for the Mercedes driver, Lewis Hamilton, but by and large, the race wasn't great, but the atmosphere looked great, and the Mexicans were fantastic, and Sergio Perez, I think, pleased the crowds, didn't he, Amy? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, we were all rooting for him to win, to be honest. Obviously, it wasn't his race, but he still did really well, I think. I think he has been a bit off the pace of Max over the season, though. I think he's just not been hitting the same. I don't know what it is. I don't think he's, I don't know, got his head in the game or something. I do think being in Mexico's home race, it was obviously going to be amazing. But the atmosphere again, obviously the booing for Lewis Hamilton, I think that's just kind of comes down to the fans that we have nowadays are different to how it was a few years ago. I think mm. for me personally, I think it might be down to Drive to Survive and the way they dramatise Formula One. And maybe it's made sort of more F1 fans pick 
sides and then yeah. think it's all a reality show when it's not it's real life and it's racing and I don't think some fans completely understand that and I think maybe social media has a part to play as well yeah of course and as Red Bull have pointed out this weekend maybe even the journalists covering the sport i.e Ted yeah. <laughs> and his, his his notebook that he did on the at the end of the US Grand Prix obviously talking about uh, well, I've watched the whole quote, and actually, I, I personally don't see the massive offence in it. I think they're kind of jumping to, to offence, but we'll talk about that later anyway. Let's talk about the, the Mercedes battle, the intra-team battle. Obviously, George Russell Coops out-qualified his Mercedes teammate, but was taken on a second or third corner of the of the race by Lewis. He kind of drove him off the, well, not drove him off the track, but certainly planted his car in a, in a better position than George Russell, which meant he got the racing line and overtook him quite early. Yes. Hamilton put Russell in his place. It was interesting that Sky interviewed Russell after the race and they talked about that and he said if it wasn't my teammate I'd have just ran him off the road. And he was very casual about it. He's just like, yeah, you know, if it wasn't my teammate I'd run him off my road off the road. You're like, <laughs> Russell, come on mate, like the, you know, we all know you do it. Let's just not admit it. <laughs> but yeah, the Mercedes done a weird thing with Russell. They kind of put him in this weird no man's land strategy near the end of the race. They couldn't really do anything with it. They both ended up mm. on the hards, and they're still waiting in them. The Verstappen's tires fall off even now. So yeah, I would have loved to see both Red Bull and the Mercedes on the exact same tires at the start of the race and just go through almost the exact same strategy. It would have been good because that that's what we was building for to start mm. off with, and it didn't go there. You know, Russell got what he got. It was, it was fourth he got, wasn't it? So, yeah. you know, it's probably the best he could have done with the, the decisions they made with the strategy call. But both Lewis and George were both calling, saying, you know, I've got plenty of life in these tyres at the moment when they're on the medium to start. They could have eked out quite a few more laps, I think, and maybe gone on to the softs to make it more interesting. Do you, do you think that that was the case, Amy? Do you think they could have done that? Or do you think that the strategy probably would have just fallen away anyway and, and, and Max Verstappen would have won regardless? I, I think I would have loved to see them on similar tyres to Max and see that sort of race happen. But then we will never know really whether where they decide to pit stop and things like that, whether that would have actually happened. But I do think that maybe, just maybe, we could have had a little bit more of an exciting race if they actually planned their tyres out well. Mm-hmm. And... I just think Russell in particular, he's obviously become a bit more boisterous on the racetrack this year. But I think we saw that when he was begging for the Mercedes seat with Bottas. <laughs> so um, so it's not really not expected. But I do kind of miss Williams Russell. We go crying to cameras about getting points. I miss that side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then there's what's the, what's the points difference now? Is it 19 points? Is it uh, they've got? For the last two races, if he's going to beat his teammate, he's still got to beat him by quite a few. It's either 19 or 16, I can't remember. Uh, I, will just, I will just tell you, George Russell has 231 points, Lewis Hamilton had 206. Yeah, so, yeah, what's that, 16 points? No, 15 points, 15 sorry. points, yeah. So 15 it's not points. bad. I mean, you get eight points for a win now in the sprint, which is coming up next, 25 points for oh, a win. Oh, yes, you've got the sprint race, so that's more points, isn't it, on that? So, oh, so it's so very doable then. Oh, well, you definitely... There's not many more gaps. Well, Carlos Sainz is only four behind Hamilton. So mm. that's relatively tight between fourth, fifth and sixth. But before below that, Lando Norris is at 111, so that's not going to make any difference. So, you know, Russell, Hamilton, Sainz, you know, depending on how things fall, you could see Sainz jumping up there. You could see Hamilton jumping up. Russell could drop down. So that's, that's a bit, there's definitely stuff to play for. 
in that in that particular part. To be honest, I don't think Hamilton really cares fighting for fourth and fifth. Maybe he might care about beating Russell. All signs point to him, you know, beating him in the last in the last couple of races because he's done so over the well ever since the summer break. Every race he's beaten is so. If he continues on that same trajectory, oh, if he does, if he keeps on that, he's going to beat him. Yeah, he's going to bring in a little bit close at least. Yeah, we will see. Should we talk about some other people then? Who else had either? Something exciting or not not very great happening to them. Let's talk about Fernando Alonso. He was another retiree, Amy. What can you say about his race? I really love Alonso. I got a bit of a soft spot for him. But yeah. I do feel really... I think the Alpine has showed pace this year. And I mm-hmm. think I was really excited about that. I think they've never really shown it before. And he's been having good races. And I do feel sorry that he had to retire it. Um and I, I just think it was a bit of a waste of his talent then, I suppose. We could have watched a bit more and we didn't. But then again, that's just down to the car engineering, F1. <laughs> yeah, and he obviously spoke to press after the event and he said, you know, I've, I've, I've had too many DNFs this year. There's definitely a lot for the Alpine to do over their winter. It's quite damning words. Obviously, he's leaving the team anyway, so he's probably happy to be yeah. seeing the back, the back end of the Alpine and their reliability issues. But then Aston um, Martin's reliability may may not yeah. be the best team to go to. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So is it, is it a like-for-like team that he's going across to? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess I guess we'll see. Danny Ricardo, Coops. Let's talk about him. I, I know Amy will probably want to speak about Danny Ricardo as well, so we'll, we'll go to her afterwards. But he had a great race and was eventually driver of the day, so fantastic performance from the McLaren Australian. I mean, is it fair to give someone driver of the day when he punted the driver off and made him retire from the race? Uh, was it was it a was it a massive thing that his was his fault though? Was it? You know, no, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't was there uh, space for him to do anything else. It was. Point? He wasn't going to pass. I think he admitted afterwards it wasn't. He wasn't going for lunch to try and pass. He was just sticking his nose in there to be a bit of a nuisance, trying to unsettle Sonoda and it. Sonoda came across, back wheel hit the front wheel, and unfortunately Sonoda's side pod and floor and whatnot were all damaged, and that was the end yeah. of that. Mm. He did deserve his 10-second penalty because, you know, if you're going to stick your card on the inside, you got to make sure you can get it out of the way. And then he, he got fired onto the sauce at the end of the race, made the passes. It's probably the only drive. It's the exact opposite of what happened at the US Grand Prix. The US Grand Prix, we had a list of 10, 12 drivers that you could give driver a day to. Mm. And then you come to this one and probably the only one that got it, that probably deserved it, is mm. Ricardo. Because, you know, Max, you could give it to Max because he won, but he never done anything. <laughs> he just <laughs> went away. He and... stayed out of the way. Yeah, he stayed yeah. out of the way, carried on driving. But, Amy, you're a, a big fan of uh, Danny Rick, so you must have been happy to see him get driver of the day. Yeah, definitely. I think he needed it. He really just needed it, this sort mm. of race. It's a shame that I don't think we're going to see him on the grid next year. At least it's very, very unlikely. But hopefully maybe as a reserve driver. But I think he had a good race. And I think having driver of the day will kind of boost his confidence for the last few. Mm. I do. I kind of disagree with the 10-second penalty, but not because I don't think it was worthy of the 10 second penalty I just think the FIA are so inconsistent with what Mm. penalties for what and I feel like it should be consistency throughout the season now there was a lot of I think I'm correct me if I'm wrong but there was a similar penalty not that long ago and that was five seconds or something and I think they should really be a bit more consistent with what they're doing Mm. but at the end of the day the FIA's creditability nowadays I don't know I don't even know if they're worthy Mm. of a governing body (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I think you're probably right. Some kind of serious words are going to have to be given to them for, from F1. Yeah. They aren't doing the best job that, that they possibly could do. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast that we could go on for ages about. <laughs> I think it was like, like, I was happy with the fact that he maintained that 10 second gap, though. That was brilliant racing from Ricardo. And because mm. I didn't think he was going to do it. I'm not going to lie. I was looking at the telly, just watching the seconds of and hundreds of seconds go down. And I was like, come on, come on. It's fine. And then, but yeah, he finally did it. And I was like, it's fine. He's out and he got driver of the day. And I'm just really happy. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. And it's a good maybe audition tape for whoever is kind of vying for his reserve driver seat for next year isn't it you know oh he's, yeah. he's still got some skill he's got it's definitely still there for him maybe it is just the car that he's he's not comfortable with he's not and he's not past his best he's, he's still got some good racing in him um, i really so want to see him in the red bull reserve that'd be really really good but that's just me being 2016 daniel ricardo and max verstappen back <laughs> um, <laughs> But then I think I'm a bit wishful thinking. Yeah, well, either or. I mean, the, the, obviously the rumour has been that it's going to be either Red Bull or Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'd be happy in either of those seats. To yeah, definitely. Any other great performances, Coops, that you want to chat about today? No, there wasn't really much else in terms of great performances. We can touch on Gasly. <laughs> He's in the news because he got given another penalty point on his licence yeah. for the slightly over-ambitious move on Stroll, which ended up pushing the two of them off the right of the track. Different. The different thing is that he didn't come into contact with them, but pushed them both off the track. Got five seconds, got a penalty point. He's now up to 10. If you get 12, you get banned for a race. Um, yeah, and he's got nine races before any of them drop yes. off his licence too. So, so that's nine races that he can't, you know, have any fault. Basically, um, yeah. So he, he's, uh, yeah, as you say, it's 23rd of May, 2023, which means that we're, it's the Ro- Emilia Romagna Grand Prix next year after that. So that's seven rounds plus the final two of this year. Uh, mm. It's the, the penalty points for anyone that doesn't know that's listed. It's given to you over a 12-month period. It's not over the race. So yeah. you get given two points in Spain, two points in Austria, another point in Austria, Two points in Japan, two points in the United States, and then a point in Mexico. So he got a good five, I think it's five uh, in October alone. So mm. he's been a bit of a naughty boy. Yeah, I think he's on for a race ban, if I'm completely honest, uh, unless he completely bucks his ideas up and, and stays way out of trouble. He did say that he was not very happy or a bit upset with the FIA, that how kind of points happy they are, uh, giving addition out the points, a bit yeah. like sweets, I think, on Halloween. The thing guys needs to remember is, it's a bit like the, the old football analogy. He's given the referee the decision to make. Yeah. In a sense. So he's, he he made that dive down the inside of Stroll, couldn't stop the car, locked the wheel up, pushed them both off. That was his choice. He has to deal mm. with the consequence of it. A couple of decisions and the points have been given to him. A wee bit dodgy. I mean, he, he, he got a penalty for falling more than 10 car lengths behind the safety car. Was given two points on his license. It's a bit, a bit harsh. harsh, bit harsh. Mm. Two were collisions. One was leaving the track without a justifiable reason multiple times. So okay, that's driving. Yeah, it's a point. But I suppose uh, looking at the list I've got here, like there is only one that I would argue, which would put him down to eight, which is a bit more manageable. But he made that the, the decisions he's made have ultimately given the FI an opportunity to make a decision. And yeah. with it being slightly inconsistent with their choices, you don't want to give an inconsistent governing body the opportunity to make a... An inconsistent decision. You just don't yeah, want to do absolutely it. absolutely agree with that. 
Amy, anyone else you want to speak about from the race who either disappointed you or excited you in, in the race? I think the two Aston Martins, I think Seb had a bit of a terrible weekend along with Stroll, but is it kind of expected from Stroll at this point? But he has been, he's, he's done a few races where he's done well this year, so I'm kind of happy for him for that. But I'm a massive Seb fan as well, so there's time in Red Bull and I think... I don't know. I I liked it a few races ago where he was in the points and things like that. And I think he just, I don't know what was it, but Aston Martin, again, reliability. I think it just might be down to the fact that they're not consistent and that's it. And we've got, got to accept it. They couldn't get the car into the sweet, sweet spot to work the tyres from what I've read up on and stuff beforehand. Uh, and they just couldn't get the grip in the car. They, you know, it's all about getting the balance, working for FP1, and for whatever reason, they just couldn't find that sweet spot, you know, that the optimum setup. And from that yeah. point on, that was them kind of stickered at the back end of the grid, no grip at all. So they were, they were kind of knackered the whole weekend, unfortunately. And I'm trying to think of any other teams. that Everything else was pretty... Like we say quite often, there's a few teams are just completely anonymous. They didn't get, get any screen time on the television, uh, on the broadcast, because they were just kind of floating around behind at the back. What about Lando Norris? What happened to Lando Norris, Coops? He got nice, decent enough drive. Again, solid. I don't think he dropped a couple of spots at the start because of the long drive in the first quarter. Got himself up tonight. I don't, there was nothing that, should, that jumped out at me as to the reason why. It's just one of those races. Mm. Valtteri Bottas, however, got a point in 10 with his teammate in 13. That's a, that's a good one. He was doing really well in qualifying. He was up there in the in Q3. He got a point. And for Williams, Alex Albon got 12th, which is not a big deal considering. But 12th in that Williams is relatively key. Uh, as you say, yeah. you know, the Haas, the Haas guys, they were just as anonymous as Aston Martin, to be honest. I don't really know why. I, I couldn't, I didn't come across any to see the particular reason why. Just a race that didn't work for them, uh, I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Mexican Grand Prix didn't give us loads to talk about, but there are some talking points outside of the race itself. But the Mexican Grand Prix, unfortunately, this year, guys, you disappointed, I think, on the whole. There were a few bright sparks. Nice to see Danny Rick as a driver of the day. Good to see the, these records being broken by Max Verstappen. But other than that, just one step closer to the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. uh, an interesting stat for you, the, the top three for this Grand Prix mm. was the same as last year's. And the gap between first to second and second to third was almost identical, was within a wow. second of each from oh last gosh. year. Uh, wow. Which you would never have thought, considering the fact that we've got two very different rule changes and technical changes. Uh, but just yeah. one of those weird, weird coincidences. Weird coincidences, <laughs> which our resident stat lover, Sophia, who's been on the podcast plenty of time, will quite enjoy. Yeah. Quite likes those wee stats. Worth uh, a fiver for next year's race, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mexico has had its fair share of decent races. We have had some good ones. This, this year and last year, it just hasn't panned out that way. So, mm. you know, I think you could put them down to anom- anomalies. I can't say that one. Anomalies. Uh, yes, that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think next year, if we go back to Mexico next year, and it's a bit of a dull one again, you know, maybe they start maybe they start doing what Melbourne done and have a wee look over, you know, maybe they do the adjustment stuff. But but don't change the podium celebration. We oh, need left, the car and the, the driver being and stuff, lifted yeah. through the stage. We need yeah, that that was that's cool. That's that's always a bit of fun to, to kind of see. And the Mariachi uh, F one theme song, that was yeah. a highlight of the weekend for me. That's that been great. that was being put on the Twitter that it should be the theme song for the rest of the year. <laughs> 
definitely. Well, that was our review of the Mexican Grand Prix. Obviously, there's not loads that happened. It wasn't the most exciting race, but we hope you enjoyed what you could. And if your driver did well, absolutely fantastic. I'm sure that made it all the more better for you. Let's talk about some of the pieces of news that have dropped since our last podcast. Uh, the cost cap. Now, Red Bull and this whole debacle has been going on for far too long, again, from the FIA making stupid decisions or make, taking too long to make decisions. But the news for the Red Bull penalty for the breach of the cost cap was announced on Thursday, and it was going to be a $7 million fine and a 10% reduction in wind tunnel time for the next 12 months. Christian Horn has come out and said that's going to be massive. It's, he said it was a draconian penalty. It and should it's be. really going to affect them. And it, should, yeah, it needs to be. Obviously, Red Bull fans are sticking up for them saying look if you look at it they were due a tax rebate and they didn't declare that and it would have only been a breach of 450,000 euros rather than the 1.8 million euros that it was I think the breach was something stupid like 0.34% doesn't matter how small it is it's still a breach yeah, I mean, it still could be a, a new front wing design that helped them, gave them that extra downforce, gave them that speed. Obviously, they're going to say, oh, no, it was only for the historical parts. It was only for the, the, the hot wings in the kitchen. But it's just the way you sell your breach. All the other teams managed to put that within their budget. So well, whether that's... it was wings that put you over or whether, whether it was hot wings that put you over, it's, you're still over your budget and you're still liable to kind of face a penalty because of that. Uh, and also Aston Martin got fined because of their procedural breach. And what was their fine? 450,000. So, yeah, because that was just to obviously maybe the paperwork wasn't filled out properly. No, the, in, they, in the right timing or whatever. No, uh, Williams took a breach for that. They they took a deal, they, they entered a, a, the same thing back, back earlier on in the year because they didn't basically didn't hand in their homework in time. Mm. Uh, and they got a $25,000 fine. They knew it was coming. They went to FIA and went, look, it was a third party. I don't know if that's a third party accounting, but whoever they got to go over it or help them failed to hit the deadline mm. uh, so they had to hit they, they entered it they got the seller uh, got a slap of the wrist uh, uh, Aston Martin it's procedural which from my understanding means that interpretation so they've interpreted something wrong the FA went no that's not right and they've been mm. given the fine for it uh, and it's just a financial penalty that does not come out of the cost cap which was yeah, the same confu- as the Red Bull yep, which was so the confusion that people- to that yeah, a lot of people are in a poor about that because obviously, where's the real negative effect for the, for them? Obviously, Christian Horn is going to sell. Oh, it's really, really a, a draconian penalty for us because he wants to make it sure everyone thinks it's a it's a tough penalty because he probably knows he's got off a bit lightly. Really, do you think it was a an adequate penalty, Amy? I think it was fair, but that just might be the Red Bull fan inside. But I. I can see where other fans are coming from, but I think if we reverse the situation and say Mercedes done it, I feel like mm-hmm. there would be a different reaction from fans, maybe. I don't know. Um, and from Christian Horner, he, who would be yeah. straight on there. <laughs> oh, they've cheated there. They've done it. Like, yeah. Very if the boot true. was on the other foot. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Christian Horner likes to... Um, he likes to swing things into his own way with the media. Mm. He's quite good with sort of influencing the media a lot and getting them to relay what he wants everybody to know. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad quality. It just means that our news may be a little bit biased every time someone interviews Christian Horner. But there you go. I think the penalty is what it is. I think it will be a reduction in like the tunnel time. And I think it's it's a lot. It will reduce seconds for next season. And 
we're just going to have to wait and see how that actually affects them on the racetrack, I suppose. That's where we'll properly see where it's affected them. Yeah, and obviously that, that applies straight away. So immediately the 12 months starts now as the penalty has been applied. But that doesn't mean that they haven't already used some of the wind tunnel time um, for next year's car. They, have, they might have next, have, have next year's car in the wind tunnel at this moment and, and used some hours that they would have had you know, before being reduced uh, early doors. So is it going to affect their car immediately? I don't think so. As the season develops and goes on, I think the effect of it will maybe take over uh, yeah. and kind of affect the upgrades that they were going to bring to the car as the season continues. Um, yeah, I, can't it, see, I can't see the failure being immediately in the, in, in the first couple of races. It's big if you compare it to the other team because it's 63% they're going to have rather than like 70 I think it is going by the average release. yeah but they were going to lose that anyway because they they were the, the championship winners you know and they're... no but they're not lo- they're losing that plus the further the way the, the formulas worked out so the 63 percent is what they'll have with this penalty and it goes on for 12 months uh so you know they're losing a good 20 percent compared to the rival mm. so if you look at it compared to the the rivals around them they've got 20 percent more time or 70% more time to develop, you know, research, change, alter. The only thing that might help them is they've got this unknown aerodynamics called Adrian Newey. He's got a bit of a reputation. <laughs> just, a, just a small name, yeah. So he's got a reputation. So, you know, he could hopefully do something. They already have a good foundation. There's not The rules are staying static pretty much for next year. But, you know, second years, as, you know, people now understand how these cars work, uh, the gains are going to be better for other teams because they're going to understand it. Mercedes have got, came away with this team being a pretty big learning curve for them. Barry already have a good package and get the power unit sorted, but it's it's not to be underestimated. It's I think it will affect them. I don't think you're going to see Verstappen fly off away again. Do you think it was a justified penalty? Do you think in terms of do you think the amount of money and the ten percent reduction was adequate for the? crime committed I say crime committed but, you know, <laughs> well yeah, yes committed. or do you think there should have been slightly more maybe 20% reduction no because then you, you are getting close to being draconian you are starting to get to situations where it's you know it's the McLaren spy gate 100 million dollars I mean that's draconian type fines you yeah, know that, that's, that was a, that's what, one, 1 million for the cheating and 99 million because Ron Dennis is a <laughs> I'll bleep that out on the uh, on the other podcast. You won't hear that. Quite a famous thing that he's probably probably true. I think the best way to look at it is I don't think MD but nobody was particularly happy with the outcome, which means mm. you probably got it more or less right because Red Bull aren't coming out going yeah it's fine, and everybody else isn't going out and going yeah it's fine. Everyone's kind of like no, I'm not happy with that. No, so it's it's enough. At least it's not the the Ferrari decision that was made a few years back that was kept completely under wraps. Yeah, and then no, nobody still to this day knows what the penalty was that Ferrari had, <laughs> what the issue was that Ferrari did, if they were cheating, if they'd you know given the engine a boost or whatever. Everyone's still none the wiser about what happened in 2019 with the Ferrari. <laughs> the biggest problem you had with that one was that they they knew they were probably cheating. They just mm. couldn't prove it. They didn't have a mechanism to prove it enough to be able to say one hundred percent you were cheating. And when you're going to when you're going to accuse a team of cheating in Formula One or anybody, you have to make sure you're able to prove it. Mm. So 
they had their suspicions, but then when they investigated, they're like, we can't, we don't know how we're going to be able to prove this. So they just changed. I think they added a sensor in or something, didn't they? They added mm, something in yeah. and they weren't allowed to tamper with in it. the fuel flow and whatnot. Yeah, because it was something to do with them ignoring, like, pumping in extra fuel in between the two sensors and stuff with the fuel flow rate and stuff like that. But this is but easy yeah, enough it, to prove. So It wasn't that, which is good. Uh, and they've been transparent. They've tried to be as open as possible in terms of saying, this is what it is. This is why we've done it. There's a big document that you can go and read if you want to go and kind of read all the intricacies about the penalty and why they've given it. The other reason why it wasn't quite as draconian is because it was uh, this, this uh, agreement. And these agreements are usually slightly less in punishment because, you know, it's kind of how the mechanism works. This isn't an accepted breach agreement. Yes, I struggled for a second to remember what it was. So these agreements, they're in their financial regulations. Any team could be part of them. And basically it means that it draws a line under it. They've accepted this. There is no right to appeal it. That's it. You you admit your guilt and we'll give you a slightly less penalty, slightly stingy penalty. Similar in a kind of court of law situation where, you know, you see people, if you plead guilty very early on, chances are you're going to get a more lenient penalty. This mm. is what this is about, and it stops things from dragging on, you know, the way in. I think Christian Horner said the reason we accepted it is we could go and do this. We can argue our case, but it could take 12 months. We'd still be mm. arguing about it this time next year, you know. So Plus then, if, if they argued it, the FIA could go to one of their other penalties of reduction of points, which could change results of champion, which but I don't, is, what, I don't, is not I, what people wanted. Yeah, I don't think they were ever going to do the points thing. I think you were looking, as you say, you were probably looking at a, a, a harsher penalty in regards to the wind tunnel type. And, you know, even with Adrian you and all the brains, you really don't want to be pushing it too far down the order when it comes to, you know, 10% with already the sliding scale that's coming into, into play. You don't want to push more than that because that's going to be hard to bring back up. And this 10% reduction is going to affect next year as well, uh, following year because it's a 12-month thing. So it's, they're already going to be in the back foot for longer. Okay, well, let's move on from the cost cap. You're you're agreeing, you two are agreeing that it's probably a fair penalty. I still think maybe the seven million could have come out of the, <laughs> the budget, but you know that's that's me probably leaning on my British buyer and wanting just a slightly harsher penalty for Red Bull. But yeah, that's that, it's such such is life at the moment with the FIA and the decisions that they're making. I. Yeah, I'm, haven't been happy with most of them. But let's talk about something else then. A Stoffel van Dorm for Aston Martin. Have you heard that news, Amy? Yeah, only recently, to be honest. But I think it'll be good with Felipe Drogovic as well. So I think it'll be nice to see them both in an F1 car, I suppose. Hopefully in a few FP1 sessions if they get round to it and things like that. I think it'll be great just overall to see them. I, I loved following him on Formula E. So it's, it's going to be weird to see him in Formula 1. But... Yeah. Yeah, but good to see him. And it's yeah. bad news for probably for Mick Schumacher, though, who was probably vying for a position in, in that team at some point or other in the future. But, you know, he's got the potential Audi tie-up with Sauber that might dig him out of a little hole uh, for the future. But his, his, his place in the sport is still up in question. Coops, what did you think of the Stoffel Van Dorn news to Aston? Good news for him, obviously. Uh, yes, the reigning Formula E champion. He, he came into Formula One at the wrong time, drove a dog of a McLaren with Alonso as his teammate. You know, he is a talented driver. So, you know, it'll be good to, as, as Amy says, good to see him getting a few FP1 sessions. He's going to be doing a lot of sim work from what Aston Martin said as well. Yeah. The interesting thing about that is that and now that 
Mercedes no longer have any test reserve drivers on their books for next year because that's Van Dorn and Nick de Vries away. So there might so be it could a, be Daniel Ricciardo. Could Shane be. Cole. Uh, also, I saw some rumours on Twitter earlier that Hulkenberg is now completely free and unemployed as of now because he was the test and reserve driver for Aston Martin. Uh, mm. So he's now free. I wonder free where he's contract. heading to. Hasts, maybe? It's the rumor, if the rumours comes to fruition. It's I think it'd be great to see him in the hard seat if he was to get it, but then that would mean we're losing little Schumacher and Danny Rick. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if mm-hmm. I if I if I was Danny Rick, I'd have been picking the phone up for Hash right now. Just going, you know how you said, <laughs> you know what my number is, because you need to stay yeah. on the grid. You need to stay there. And yeah, I agree. To... Like, Mika Hacken has been very vocal about this and saying, you know, it's really, really tough to come back after a year off. Jensen Button said a similar thing. Uh, in terms yeah, of, I was just going to say, Jensen. You know, he, he, th- he thinks he should stay on the grid, even if it is with Haas. He can renegotiate. He can, he can be on a one-year deal with them, maybe. He can re- try and renegotiate with the other teams next year to get yeah. a different spot. You know, it's being on the grid is going to be better than sitting watching um, from the sidelines. And, and the thing as well is, I mean, financially, he doesn't need to worry because McLaren are paying his full contract next year and then yeah. they'll pay, they've, from what I understand, they're paying the difference. So Haas can get them on the cheap. Give yeah. them what they're paying Magnussen, and then McLaren pays the rent because they had to buy him out. So you know he needs to stay on the grid, but he doesn't want to. I think he'll to. regret it if he doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah. I think I, he's. I think, I think, I think he's he made his mind up, and I think that I think it will probably be the last time to see Ricardo as a driver before the one after this year. Because it's it's nice to see a smiley face on the grid every now and again. Yeah, he does lighten it up. It's going to be yeah. a shame for Amy because Amy's two favorite drivers are going to be not on the grid next year. I know. Hey. <laughs> I'm suffering, my ear. It's going to be a Max Verstappen fan next season. Yeah, I know. Watch <laughs> it now. I'm going to go full Dutch. Any other news, Amy, that you want to chat about? I can't think off the top of my head. Coops? No, I don't think so. I think we touched on most things or everything, in fact. The only other thing that I, I saw tonight was that the Formula One are apparently in discussions with having a, a winter shutdown. Now, they currently ah, have yes. one. Uh, but it's voluntary. So the one, the, the summer shutdown, what happens is it's basically mandatory that they, sh- that they have a skeleton crew to answer phones, but they're not allowed any racing team people in. Your drivers aren't allowed near the factory, not the racing. Basically, everyone's sent home. Give me your mm-hmm. keys, you're not getting back in. Mm-hmm. The winter shutdown's voluntary, but apparently because, you know, next year we're going up to 20 to 24 races next year. So they're saying we, we need to, purely for, a, for the sake of people, we need to have this mandatory break at winter as well so it's looking like it could happen some teams are opposed to it some aren't as Formula 1 is but you know seasons are getting a lot longer a lot more intense it sounds like a pretty common sense thing yeah it's it's it'd be a nice thing I mean they do work hard they're away from their families for a long time during the year obviously there's talks maybe that they do two separate teams to kind of give them the respite and whatnot but obviously then that will affect budget caps and whatnot too so yeah <laughs> It's two weeks over Christmas. How can you begrudge them that after working so hard all week? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Yep. The, all the other thing is McLaren got under two seconds for a pit stop. Uh, yeah, brilliant. And it wasn't yeah. even on TV, which was no. you know, more, more of a shocker because what else was there to watch during that race? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, could, we could have seen a few more pit stops. McLaren's obviously got it 1.98 seconds, which is just a fantastic achievement, even though the FIA introduced steps last year. Was it last year? Yeah, to try and keep them above two seconds. I think it was kind of mid-season. Yeah, they they were worried that it was getting too fast, and you know, so every everybody basically what they added in was this manual button that the the wheel gunner has to press once they brought it off the wheel. 
mm-hmm. and they and they still managed to do it under the second. So Fantastic. God knows what they're going to do next. So it, at least we can say that McLaren have won something this year. As, yeah, as not so not so secret. <laughs> McLaren fans, well, uh, me and me and Coops anyway on the on this podcast spe- specifically. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's all we need to talk about about the Mexican Grand Prix and the subsequent news that has fallen over the past week. Thank you very much for coming to. Well, chat to me today, Amy, for the first time. We're, we hope you do come back in the future to chat to us yeah. again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. No problem at all. We, <laughs> we'll look forward to speaking to you soon. And of course, the old hand, Coops himself. Thanks again, Coops. No, it's a bother. Next time Amy we... comes on, we'll have a slightly more interesting race to discuss. <laughs> we hope so. We hope so. We have been the Everything Everyone podcast. You can find us on all our social platforms all week uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also find us on our shiny website where we upload articles every single day from Coops and Amy both are putting articles on there all the time and myself of course and the rest of our team too we all do work hard for your information on the whole world of motorsport so get your eyes onto our website as soon as possible and add it to your favorites you can also of course hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop if you haven't Go and check out our recent interview with Sebastian Buemi. That was the interview was last week and the podcast went live on Saturday. So head over to the podcast streaming service and, and, and listen to that podcast. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I've been James Tiller. This has been the Everything Everyone podcast. We'll speak to you next week where we preview the Brazilian Grand Prix. See you there. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.